Hello, everybody, and welcome December the 8th here, Shape of Tomorrow, episode 58. I am your host, Michael Ianni Polarchio. So glad to have you join me here on this Friday's episode. We're going to be covering off a number of things. We're going to be looking at an example, a very non-tech example, traditional business that has really employed what I think are really interesting kind of blue ocean strategies. So we're going to talk about blue ocean strategy as a framework and related to a specific company. We're also going to talk about a really interesting writing tool um, that I've been using and something interesting that they've done in the area of artificial intelligence, but not the way you might think. As well, we're going to have our holiday gift guide. We are in early December, you might be doing some last minute shopping or planning in and around. What do I get for that innovator in my life? So I'm going to give you a few holiday gift guides and I've got a couple of special announcements. So lots and lots going on here. Buckle up everyone. Here we go. Before we jump into today's episode where we are exploring innovation and strategy and all those great things, I wanted to give a special shout out to Skillshare for their support. Today's episode has been supported by Skillshare. Now you might be asking, what is Skillshare? We're going to talk about a little later in the the podcast, but it is in short, really an incredible online learning community with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people. Whether you're looking to deepen your professional skills, maybe explore a new hobby or area of interest, or just kind of get yourself lost in in creativity, Skillshare is really the place to be. Their courses range from technology and business strategy, personal development, all kinds of things that are really crucial for today's innovators. And so a big, big thank you to Skillshare for partnering with me and The Shape of Tomorrow and helping really to fuel lifelong learning. Now, let's get ready to jump into our episode. Well, I have been so excited to record this show for you all week long. It's been on my mind. I keep going to my little notes uh, as I sort of think of things through the week, as I think about the various topics I want to talk about. Um, I have a paper-based notes that I do that in. I've got a little running, um, uh, I, I call it a run sheet uh, that I keep. It's a digital version that I keep in an application called Bear on my Mac, and it's accessible on my iPhone and my iPad as well. And I, I keep sort of putting little thoughts. And again, I don't write out a, a script when I do these, these shows, but I like to plan, you know, what does that uh, run of show sort of look like? And, and I've really been looking forward to doing today's because I, it's just a mix. It's a good mix of, of topics. And where I want to start is really looking at innovation and looking at strategy and not focusing on a tech company or a company we typically associate with um, innovation. 
And I want to do this in context of a very specific um, approach to strategy, which is called the blue ocean approach. Blue ocean is, um, before I sort of get into talking about the company itself, it's a strategy that had been um, developed. There's two uh, individuals that are involved with it, Chan Kim and Renee Mauborn, I think is how, how uh, they pronounce their names. Um, and it's an approach, you know, there are, there are classic strategy approaches. If you think of, of the approach, um, uh, for instance, we've talked about before, there's an approach from Roger Martin called playing to win. Uh, and it hinges sort of on making choices against five key questions. Um, there's the classic approach to strategy, sort of Porter's approach to doing strategy, which is really where I started way, way back in, in the mid-90s uh, when I began my, my part of my career uh, in the area of strategy, uh, working with uh, one of the big five consulting firms. Well, the Blue Ocean strategy, you know, what makes it different um, is that it really advocates creating new market spaces, um, and in a sense, rendering your competition completely irrelevant. So rather than figuring out how do we compete in a crowded market, you know, what do we do to differentiate ourselves against two or three or ho however many number of competitors, how do we compete against them in this market? The Blue Ocean says, go out and find a, a new market. Find, go to an area where your competitors are not, okay? And that, by its very nature, emphasizes the importance of innovation um, in value creation, focusing on, on untapped market potential rather than competing in this overcrowded um, marketplace that you may find yourself in. Again, whatever your, your business might be. And there's a great book on this. It's a, it's a best-selling book called Blue Ocean Strategy. Uh, if you haven't read it, I uh, highly recommend it. Um, where I wanted to talk about this, though, um, is in a very unlikely place. Um, I had come across something that I was reading, uh, and it's, it's, a, it's an unlikely candidate. So it's a company called Farber Castle that I really want to talk about. You may be saying to yourself, I've never heard of Farber Castle. Or you might be saying, it sounds familiar and I can't quite put a pin on what that organization is. Or you might be saying, hey, isn't Farber-Castle that company that makes the pencil? And you would be right. Um, and, and the reason I wanted to talk about Farber-Castle and their humble pencil, this was their product, this is how they got into the market. What I wanted to focus on was how innovation is not always just about technology. It's not always about startup companies. It's sometimes... Uh, is, is very visible. You know, this, this strategic approach can be used by companies that might not seem like they are, are in an innovation space. Again, if we think of the pencil from Faber-Castle, it doesn't get any low, lower tech than that, right? Now, Faber-Castle itself was founded in 1761. So it is an old company. It is an institution that has been around for hundreds of years. But since its founding, it has evolved from this small local enterprise into really a global giant in the stationary industry. 
but it's the path that it's taken. When you look at the journey of Farber Castle, it's really quite an interesting and rich journey when you look at it. And it's woven, I think, with examples of innovation, innovation thinking, adaptability, resilience, strategic partnerships, and ultimately this focus on, on the pursuit of quality. You know, when they, they were founded in 1761, they introduced the world's first branded pencil in 1895, and they really owned this market. And there were other entrants that came in. And again, I'm not going to go into um, uh, extreme detail with date, dates and, and when things were introduced, but I just want to talk a little bit about, about strategic blue ocean things that they did. So when the pencil market became crowded, and eventually there were other writing instruments that entered into the market. And the mechanical pencil, as an example, became a really competitive threat to um, the traditional pencil. And of course, they could have, let's say you're thinking about that, that traditional strategy approach, you start thinking about, you know, how do we, how do we compete? Maybe we introduce our own line of, of mechanical pencils, the better mechanical pencil. And that, that is one possibility. Instead, what did they do is they took things that they were good at. They, they started to assess, you know, this, what transferable intellectual property, what transferable processes do we have, and where can we create a new market space? And they did some really neat things like introducing or stepping into the cosmetic industry, for instance. So eyebrow pencils, as an example. You know, the manufacturing of a traditional graphite pencil leverages the same types of production uh, techniques as what you might do for cosmetic pencils. So you can see how as their traditional market began to get crowded, they could have looked for ways to innovate within that market. What they chose was let's step out of that market. Let's find a blue ocean where it's us and we are not competing, but we're actually creating a new market. They did that again uh, by creating really high quality, a high mm, line of colored pencils. And this is, you, may, you might now suddenly be saying, ah, yes, 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 yes. I've heard of the Farber, pen, uh, the, uh, the Farber pencils, the colored pencils, uh, because Farber, uh, Faber-Castle makes these great um, uh, colored pencils that artists use. And each of these pivots, when they do this, right, it's showing how by focusing on unique market segments, such as luxury writing instruments, for instance, or, or environmentally con conscious products, the company can continually carve out its own niche. And it's, it steps into really diverse fields, right? You get to now, you've got um, colored pencils that you're making. Now let's step into art therapy, for instance. And that, that really shows a commitment by this organization to explore uncharted market territories. 
it's really it's really quite quite fascinating to me to to think that this very old company making a very simple product finds ways to capitalize on innovative strategic initiatives or endeavors that are adjacent, right? They're always leveraging sort of adjacencies to their business. And by doing that, they not only expand their consumer base, but they, in a sense, elevated their sort of humble beginnings, the humble pencil, to this tool of precision and creativity, and and they they opened up markets that didn't exist uh, for them before. And so when you sort of reflect on Faber-Castell's story, it's a lot more than incremental improvements to their primary product, the the pencil. It's really an example of how can a company remain true to its roots while still innovatively charting new paths for itself. You know, as businesses around the world grapple today with rapidly changing environments, rapid technological change, the exponential change that we talk about, market shifts, when we look at someone like Faber-Castell, they really stand as an example of how traditional products can be transformed through an innovator's mindset, through the development of strategic vision, and by really you know, embodying and embracing the essence of the Blue Ocean strategy. You have to remember, coupled with this because it is innovation, you always run the risk as you make these, these Blue Ocean markets for yourself, don't lose sight of the fact that your current customers may not want the new product that you are creating. That stumbles. You know, we've talked about the innovator's dilemma many times here. And it's important to keep in mind. Sometimes it may look like that blue ocean strategy that you're pursuing isn't necessarily working because it's not getting a great reception by your current customers. Maybe it's not getting a great a great feel from your internal employees, right? That can often be because they are a part of that current state. And that's why it's important when you, when you, when you create this type of strategic approach, the blue ocean uh, strategic approach, you want to make sure that you're putting that initiative with some distance from your existing business. Otherwise, it becomes hard to develop hard to deploy. We've said it before, you know, those internal processes, that legacy mindset, um, customer uh, expectations, it's almost like they clamp down within your organization, almost like an immune response. Think of the way your body reacts when something foreign is in it and our immune system kicks in to shut that thing down that's in your body. Well, organizations, especially long-standing organizations, especially organizations that have enjoyed or are enjoying success, as soon as you innovate and you bring something into that that organization that is innovative and disruptive and different, that organizational immune response will kick in. And so when you look to pursue a blue ocean strategy to, to find a market that you will move into, that your current customers, uh, sorry, your current competitors are not in, 
you have to be aware of the innovator's dilemma. These things go hand in hand. Nothing, none of these things are in isolation. Anyway, I was thinking a lot about this uh, and uh, it intrigued me. And I thought, what a great example. And, and let's talk about that here on Shape of Tomorrow. Because as you think about what tomorrow looks like for your organization, you may find yourself saying, you know what? We can innovate within this space and here's how we're going to do it. But sometimes you, you may be saying, listen, we have to create new markets for ourselves. That's how we're going to innovate. That's how we're going to reinvent our organization. That's how we're going to remain relevant. That's how we're going to remain competitive. And that's how we're going to try and endure for 50 years, 100 years, just like Faber-Castle, you know, a couple of hundred years it's been uh, in play, more than a couple of hundred years. Um, and they've done that. It hasn't been smooth. When you really look in detail, there were times where the company was really on the ropes. They were in financial difficulty. And there's a resiliency that, that emerges. And clearly, they've been doing that for, for generations. And it has really become a part of its organizational DNA. So check out Blue Ocean Strategy. If you're listening to this podcast today you know, and you want one takeaway and you've never heard of Blue Ocean Strategies, Go and investigate that. Try and understand that. Try and understand how it works and how it might work for you and your organization. Well, being December, it's a good time to share my gift guide. There's something I did last year. Uh, and I sort of did it on a whim last year and talked about various um, gifts that might be well-suited for that techie in your life or that innovator in your life, that uh, entrepreneur, someone that's just curious, someone that is looking for inspiration, someone that is looking for something neat. Um, and I thought I would repeat that this year. So I've got um, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven items that I am going to just share as food for thought um, in no particular order. So top of my list um, here as a consideration, if you are looking to surprise someone with a gift, that innovator in your life, uh, you might want to consider a ChatGPT subscription. Uh, I know we've talked a lot about ChatGPT uh, here on the Shape of Tomorrow podcast and for someone maybe that um, doesn't have the subscription, there is a $20 a month subscription, which gives you access to the pro service. And um, that might be a nice thing to surprise that special innovator in your life um, with something that uh, they can explore, that they can see where it fits in their workflow, uh, where they can experiment with uh, some of the additional features that are there. So that's the first item I thought I'd throw out, and, and none of these items, um, there is no, I'm not affiliated in any way. I am not marketing these for um, these organizations. They are just um, things that um, appeal to me. And so I thought they could appeal to other uh, innovator types out there. The second item I have um, is actually uh, making the list again from uh, last year. Uh, and this is if you are into... Uh, gaming, sort of AAA games. There was a great device that came out 
a year ago uh, from a company called um, uh, Valve, and they introduced a device called the Steam Deck, and it's a handheld uh, device for that gamer in your life, um, or someone who's always wanted to do some gaming, AAA gaming, those, those, those types of games that you typically play on a, a console connected to your TV. Steam Deck is an outstanding device. I've had mine for over a year, and they've released a slight upgrade this year. That's why I put it back on the list this year. They've released it with an enhanced screen. I'll also say that if you don't want to do the Steam Deck, there is another um, similar device from Lenovo. Uh, it's called the Legion Go, very much the same, uh, just two different manufacturers. Um, each of them have their pros and cons. Um, and it's really that ability to kind of game on the go. So there is a second gift suggestion, gaming I find for me sometimes it's a little bit of a escape. It lets my mind wander. It allows uh, sort of different parts of my brain to activate and, and sometimes puts me into quite an inspired, innovative uh, way. Third item is digital writing um, device. I did speak about this last year as well. There's a device called Remarkable. Uh, I put that back on the list. It's actually the second version, so it's Remarkable 2. And this is an e-ink tablet. So think of uh, the Kindle readers as an example that use e-ink. Uh, the advantage of e-ink is that it is a very low-powered device, so the battery lasts a very long time. Remarkable is not just for reading, uh, but comes with a pen. It's got that feel when you use the pen on its screen because it is an e-ink screen, unlike an iPad, which is glass. You get that sense of actually writing. It almost feels like you're writing on a that sort of roughness that you get on a piece of paper. It is a repeat from last year, so I'm adding to this number three slot a similar type of device from a different company called Books, um, and that is spelled B-O-O-X. They have a whole series of these types of e-ink devices for writing and reading on. Um, the nice thing about Books is they have a few versions, um, different devices that, that in the name uh, come with the letter C. And the letter C of these devices uh, stands for color. So they've actually introduced really beautiful e-ink colored uh, screens uh, that are quite uh, lovely. I don't have one of those. I have a Remarkable, but I've, I've been sort of following the devices that come from Books, and they are, they are really quite impressive. And so if you're looking at perhaps giving uh, that someone um, on your gift list, uh, a digital device to write on, a way to take notes in a non-paper uh, way, check out Remarkable or Books. Now, if you want to get someone uh, something really lovely to write with um, uh, or into, you could consider a really nice um, leather-bound journal. And the one I'm going to put on my list here is from Paper Republic. It's uh, what I use um, it's a really lovely leather-bound uh, journal. They come in different sizes. And the nice thing is you can get different kinds of inserts, paper inserts, you know, graph paper, lined paper, blank paper. Um, and as they, as they get used up, um, they sort of slip out. Uh, they slide out. Uh, there are these um, sort of bands, elastic-type bands, um, that are, are quite nice-looking. They're not sort of like, they don't look like rubber bands. They look quite nice. And uh, you can simply slip in 
additional refills and you can have multiple types of inserts. So I, mine for instance, currently have one that's lined paper and one that is blank paper. I use them for different purposes. And this is for that person who might want to journal, who might want to be reflective, who might want to capture ideas, for that artist. You know, let's not forget that artists are innovators. The creative process um, is closely aligned to the design process and the design thinking process. So if you're looking for a nice analog um, journal that just looks beautiful and feels beautiful, that leather um, outer cover uh, it wears so nicely over time. So that's from Paper Republic. You can find them online. The other thing I was uh, putting here on my list, because we have so many devices, you know, we've got our phones, um, gaming devices, uh, even laptops, uh, iPads that we have. One of the things that we are quite often faced with is the dilemma of uh, running out of power batteries that drain down. Um, there are all kinds of great battery pack accessories. And so that might be something that you look at for that techie uh, in your life. Um, there are ones that are very sp uh, phone specific. So the iPhone, for instance, the later models uh, have these mag safe batteries. So they actually just click onto the back um, through mag a magnetic seal in a sense. And as soon as it clips onto the back of your iPhone, it begins charging through, through um, sort of magnetic induction. But there are some really great devices, and the one I'm officially sort of putting on my, my list idea comes from a company called Charge. These have a different name before, uh, but their name now is Charge, and that's S-H-A-R-G-E. And what they do is they create a whole line of different types of batteries. They do have the magnetic ones that can clip onto the back of phones that have that capability, but they've got some really great devices. I have one called the Shargeek 100, and it's like a little block. It's like a little brick. It's really cool to look at because it's transparent, so you can see the insides of this pack. It's got a great little um, uh, LCD screen on it that gives me all kinds of information, the amount of battery power in it. Um, the amount of um, output that's happening if I've got a device plugged into it. And it's got different ports. So this, this block, this Shargeek um, 100, uh, it's got two USB-C ports. It's got one USB-A port, so you can have multiple things plugged into it. Obviously, the more things you have plugged into it, the faster it will drain. But I keep this charged up. I keep it in my briefcase. I keep it in my knapsack. Um, it is... Uh, airline friendly, so you can have it in a carry-on. It is just the right size and just under the required power uh, ability or, or storage uh, capacity that they do allow it on flights. And so it's really great because you could be using your iPad, maybe you're writing, maybe you're watching a movie, maybe you're using your pencil and you're sketching, um, maybe you've got your Steam Deck, right, and you've been gaming and then it's getting low on power. You literally just connect your cable from your device. Um, so let's say you had your iPad. Uh, you'd remove the, the, ch the block at the end where you normally plug it into the wall. You take that USB-C um, component there that's at the end of, of the cable, plug one end into your iPad, one end into the Shargeek block, and it begins charging your device. Really, really lovely, lovely um, accessory to have. 
for those that uh, you know use these digital devices on the go. The last item I'm going to put on this year's gift guide is an instant camera. This is kind of a low-tech thing, right? Remember the Polaroids from a long time ago? Well, now there's all kinds of really interesting um, instant cameras that print on the fly. There's uh, Fujifilm has the Instamax. Uh, they've got the Instamax Mini. Um, there are other brands as well. Uh, Polaroid has just come out with a whole new series of these cameras. And what I like about these, the reason I have this on my sort of gift guide for the innovator is, of course, we could take pictures with our phones. I do that all the time. I take pictures of whiteboards. I take pictures of, um, you know, whatever. Things I'm, uh, maybe I've sketched something in a, in a note and I want to take a snapshot of it. We do that with our phones. The nice thing about the instant camera is, number one, you could use it uh, and not be distracted by other things, right? You know, we've talked about this before. You're using your phone to do various things or your iPad and then notifications and other applications tempt us and take us away from what we're doing. What I like about this is if you use a paper journal, like something from Paper Republic, of course, I could take a picture on my iPhone and then when I get home, I could print it on a printer and then I could put that into the journal. But what's nice about the instant camera is it allows you to just snap something on the fly. So maybe I'm making some notes. Maybe I see something and I'm not very artistic, so I can't sketch something very easily that I see that might be inspiring me, that might give me an idea. I can click it in the moment with an instant camera and out pops that photo that then I put into the journal right on the fly. Um, and so that's a suggestion. Of course, if you don't want to do the instant camera, there are these great little, um, they're called Zero Ink or Z-Ink printers. They're about the size of an iPhone. And what you can do is if you take pictures with your iPhone or your Android phone, you can send those pictures to these tiny little printers. So you could actually keep keeping it in your bag, keep it in a purse, keep it in a knapsack. And when you want to print something on the fly, it kind of prints out from this little device almost like a Polaroid, almost like these instant cameras. And so that can achieve the same thing coupled with your digital device. Maybe something you consider for that innovator in your life. And that is my 2023 gift list. If it has not been helpful, I apologize for that. And I hope that you find that uh, something that you're looking to um, surprise somebody with this holiday season. If you're not celebrating anything over the holiday season, then these can be gift ideas for any occasion. Well, you heard at the top of today's episode that we have our first sponsor. And I'm so pleased um, that this has happened. Um, today's episode of Shape of Tomorrow is brought to you by Skillshare, which is really an incredible online learning community where people come together to really explore areas of interest. And you can either consume courses on Skillshare or you may have something that you have, you know, wanted to share with a community, something that you have deep expertise in and deep passion in. And you can create your own course and deliver that or you can go and find things that 
really, really pique your interest, your curiosity, or maybe it's a skill that you need. Whether you're looking to fuel your creativity, dive deeper into technology, I don't know, maybe elevate your strategic skills, uh, Skillshare most certainly will have the class for you. You know, I've, I've always looked for opportunities for professional and personal development, and I've used many, many different services, and I've been using Skillshare for a while. I wanted to develop some deeper skills using Adobe Illustrator for some work that I was doing uh, previously when I was uh, working with students uh, at Branksome Hall, and I found what I needed on um, Skillshare. You know, as, as part of my process, I've always been on the lookout for obviously the latest trends and tools and technology and strategy and innovation. And I found some really great content uh, in the courses that are on Skillshare. Um, and quite frankly, I was really quite impressed at the, the broad range of topics that are there. You can find things from data, coding, uh, leadership, innovation. Um, there's really something there for everyone. And there's also some really great um, people there, people that I had followed on YouTube, um, productivity um, people that I had followed who then started creating some really in-depth um, courses there on Skillshare. Um, for all listeners of The Shape of Tomorrow, Skillshare is offering all of you a one-month free trial of their premium membership. And this is really your opportunity, your chance to access thousands of inspiring classes, uh, connect with a broad community of learners, and maybe you know through the process you'll even discover a hidden passion or two. So take the next step in your learning journey. You can visit skillshare.eqcm.net forward slash shape of tomorrow to start your free trial. If you, if, you, if you go to that link, I'll have it in the show notes as well. You really end up helping the show and, and helping yourself. Again, that's skillshare.eqcm.net forward slash shape of tomorrow. Join me and others and together let's shape our tomorrow together. So I do a lot of writing and I have used a number of tools at different kind of states or stages of my writing process. Um, I use tools where I just sort of capture free-flowing ideas. I've talked about Obsidian before where I'm using that to create a knowledge base. I've used a tool for uh, many years called Ulysses when I actually start to get into some of that focused writing. And it's a, it's a distraction-free writing uh, tool and platform. I have as well uh, over the years augmented or supplemented the use of Ulysses with another tool very similar uh, in nature. It's, a, it's Again, it falls in the category of a minimalist writing app, very simplified um, elements that are on screen, not a lot of toolbars and menus, and the, it just allows you to focus. Um, and it's called AI Writer. Uh, and it, it's terrific. It's always been terrific. But it's actually done something really quite interesting uh, with its latest release that has to do with artificial intelligence. But as I said at the opening of the show, 
it's not using AI in the way I I would have thought or I, or the way I bet you are thinking about it in the moment, which is, oh, great, another tool that, you know, allows the AI chat uh, GPT type functionality to write for you or complete your thoughts. That's not actually what it's doing, which is which is interesting. I love seeing how products um, are adapting to this AI era. So what has IA Writer done? Well, when I looked at the latest version, so I did an, uh, an upgrade and I noticed it, um, it has the, these new features that are really designed to highlight for you, clearly indicate a text that has been contributed to whatever you happen to be writing um, and identify contributions that are from um, artificial intelligence systems like ChatGPT. So maybe I've been writing, you know, in uh, uh, IA Writer, and maybe I was using ChatGPT to create a bit of an outline, or maybe I had it uh, take and expand on a paragraph. However, I was using ChatGPT. If I cut and paste that into my canvas of IA Writer, what you see is really interesting. Your own words, your own writing, appear in black. And the AI-generated text that I copy and paste from, let's say, ChatGPT and put into my IA document, it shows up in a, in a different color. It's like a grayed-out color. And the nice thing is, because, again, I, 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 you know, it's my own writing, so I, I might take something from an artificial intelligent uh, tool like a ChatGPT just to give me something, you know, sometimes it's to to kind of get through some writer's block. Sometimes it's to sort of think about how to rephrase something. Sometimes it could be it's generating content for me as I as I try and understand a concept that maybe I'm talking about. And I obviously don't pass that off as my own writing. So what IA Writer does is as I edit those pieces and integrate them into my own content, the color of the font changes to the black. And that allows me to really easily start to manage and track how much of what I've written is my own original work versus how much is artificially generated. I think this is outstanding for uh, a number of uh, you know a number of things. A, I, my mind jumped right away to students. You know, we as educators, uh, academic institutions are grappling with how do we integrate things like ChatGPT into um, student workflow, student life, the the whole creation process. And what this allows you know students to be able to do is to see, hey. You know, you've got a lot of stuff in here that in a sense is plagiarized or, 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 or not generated by you. So go back and rework it. I think as well for someone like myself who is, you know, writing things, uh, whether they happen to be for work-related items or whether I'm doing something for my um, personal writing, uh, personal professional writing, I want to make sure that, you know, if I leverage an AI tool, you know, I don't want that tool to sort of take over 
um, the voice of the article. I don't want to lose my own voice um, through the writing. And this allows you, you know, as you start to integrate various things, especially if you're writing something in a longer form, whether it's an essay or a longer, longer form article, um, that could easily happen, right? You start to sort of blur the lines. And what this sort of integration um, into IA Writer is doing is it's really designed to encourage you as a writer to use AI as kind of a, a, of a partner that helps you to write better as opposed to usurping your, your, your active participation in the writing process. So I, th I think it's just, it's outstanding and it's, it's different, you know, instead of just giving you those familiar pop-ups that um, allow you to, to um, kind of generate content in your document, this is helping you to understand how content gets integrated, how you take content that you may have generated in an artificial intelligence tool and internalize it, understand it and integrate it properly into the broader, uh, the broader piece. So quite, quite a refreshing thing. You know, uh, IA Writer is, is for um, the Apple ecosystem. So I have it on my Mac. Um, there's also an iOS version for iPhones. I don't tend to use it there, but there's also an iPad version of it. So again, it, it's, a, it's an Apple-focused tool. Um, but I think it's worth sharing with the broader audience because of what they are um, trying to do, and and that seeing this appear in a tool like IA Writer, you know, my hope is that this is something that we see become a standard in 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 tools that people use to write write with, whether it's Word, whether it's Pages, whether it's Google Docs, whatever tool you might be using. This is the kind of implementation and and the way to build a feature set in that really allows people to begin to understand how to use tools like ChatGPT as an aid, uh, as a tool, um, as a partner in thought and exploration and collaboration, and not as a substitute for generating your own ideas, thinking, uh, creating new ideas, and ultimately doing your own writing. So if you're on a Mac uh, platform um, and you're doing a lot of uh, uh, um, writing, sorry, an Apple platform and you're doing a lot of writing, um, whether it be, again, professional writing or for students uh, that are out there in the listening community, I really urge you to check it out and, uh, and take advantage of this unique feature. Well, today I want to announce something kind of um, exciting for me. You have heard me many times here on the podcast talk about um, myself spending some time writing. And you might have from time to time been wondering, you know, where has this writing been taking place? Now, some of it, I have posted some articles from time to time on LinkedIn. But I have, over the last number of months, been dabbling with writing some content that would be available to listeners and, um, and non-listeners uh, in the form of a newsletter. And so I am really, really excited today to be officially launching 
um, the Shape of Tomorrow newsletter. And this is a newsletter that uh, I have been wanting to do for a really, really long time. It's really meant to be an extension of our dialogue here on the podcast, offering a strategic and futurist perspective on innovation and change and technology. And what I'm hoping for is that each newsletter, uh, which may come out several times a week, I'm I'm hoping that I can actually generate um, a post, in a sense, um, at least twice a week. Uh, If not twice a week, then at least once a week. And those posts would explore, again, the latest trends, uh, emerging technologies, uh, my thoughts on specific technology impacting industries. Uh, We will explore aspects of strategy, leadership. It's just an opportunity for me to formalize and an opportunity for me to, again, continue this process of reflection and sharing that um, is really important to me and my own development. The content I'm hoping uh, you will find is thought-provoking, and I hope that it also gives me an ability to do um, a deeper dive. You know, if I have an ability to dive deep into strategic insights and practical guidance for navigating the various complexities Uh, that are evolving in our organizational landscapes, you know, to me, that'd be a huge win. Uh, And I'll continue, like I said, to delve into various topics that really matter to leaders, innovators, things, again, from organizational strategy to data strategy, uh, digital transformation, and to the impacts, again, of technology advancements on organizations and society. I hope that the newsletter becomes a platform for real exploration and discovery where I and my readers can really connect the dots between today's innovations and tomorrow's possibilities. It's not just about understanding the trends, but really about equipping ourselves with the knowledge and strategies to lead effectively in this ever-changing, rapidly changing, exponentially changing world. And so I hope that uh, you will all subscribe uh, to the newsletter. Check it out. If you don't want to subscribe, that's fine. Um, Subscribing is free. Um, So I will have content that is widely available to everyone uh, to be able to read. And then I will have some specific content that is available um, to paid members of the Shape of Tomorrow newsletter. This will be a Substack newsletter. So the Substack uh, platform is the one uh, I have chosen to start with. I may branch out into into some other platforms in terms of reaching various audiences, but it is the Substack platform that I am um, beginning with. Uh, I will uh, provide a link to the newsletter in my Twitter. I will provide a link uh, to it in LinkedIn. And I'll provide a link in the show notes uh, itself here, just describing uh, today's episode. So thank you for giving me the time. I know it's a bit of a shameless plug uh, in some regards, but it really is an extension of what I've been doing here on the podcast, giving me an ability to, to go a little deeper. And 
Again, I always welcome uh, input uh, and comments and feedback, uh, just as I do here on the podcast. You know, now feel free to also provide that uh, to me in terms of things that I'm exploring. Some of some of the articles uh, that I write in the newsletter will be really in-depth, uh, long-form uh, articles. Some of them will provide you tools uh, and templates, um, approaches, methodologies that you, I hope, can incorporate into the day-to-day work that you do. So I'm super, super excited. Like I said, it's been out. Um, I've been doing this and, and releasing articles without overly publicizing it. Um, I've done a few little soft launch pieces where I have tweeted a specific article uh, just to to sort of widen its circle. But today, I wanted to officially launch the Shape of Tomorrow newsletter. And it's just, like I said, such an exciting uh, phase for me. Uh, Writing has always been such an important and personal part of who I am and the way I digest ideas, the way I develop my own ideas, and the way I get to share that with a broader audience to then kind of create that feedback loop, you know, that conversation. So check it out. And uh, you can continue to find me here on the podcast, obviously, every week, but now you'll have some other options to tap into some of the things that I'm thinking about. Well, as we draw this week's episode of Shape of Tomorrow, episode 58, to a close, I just want to take a moment to reflect on all the things we talked about and all the ideas that you've given me some time today to explore with you. You know, our journey in the area of Blue Ocean Strategies uh, that we talked about and really sort of unpacking how there are so many different paths for businesses to navigate uncharted market spaces and fostering innovation and really growing beyond you know that competitive landscape that you may currently find yourself Um, we had a chance to have a little bit of fun with some gift ideas it was really nice to be able to sort of explore to some of these um, ai changes that are happening to digital writing tools uh, it's just been really wonderful and i was so glad to share the news in and around uh, my newsletter and really do hope that you will you will check that out as i look ahead to next week's episode which i've started to very very rough large buckets started to look at um, i really want to do what i think is a fascinating exploration of data analysis um, and and in this day and age you know where data is really this invaluable resource that's locked you know, within organizations. Understanding its nuances and harnessing its power is really critical for any leader and for any organization. And I I wanna take some time in next week's uh, episode to discuss how data analysis is really revolutionizing decision-making and strategy and business and how that will look in your tomorrow. I also wanna examine next week the impacts of how the changing world of work is going to reshape education, how technology 
continuously reshapes our professional landscapes, the education sector really has to evolve in tandem. The tomorrow of education looks really, really different because of the pressures that will come to it from the world of work and preparing future generations you know, for the challenges and the opportunities of that world. So we're gonna to touch on that. And the last thing I'll always, as always throw in other sort of technology items that are shaping both our present and our future. So it, should, it really, really looks to be um, a fun episode that's, that's coming up. And so as I wrap up today, I really want to extend my gratitude to each and every one of you, you know, all of you in, in the listening community for joining me on this journey of discovery, uh, and insight uh, and exploration. Your engagement and your curiosity really fuel our exploration um, into this ever-changing world of innovation and technology uh, and the future. And so I'm so, so very grateful that uh, you joined me here. Remember, the future isn't just a place that we are going. It's one that we really can shape and create step-by-step through innovation, creativity, imagination, determination. And as you go about your weekend and the week that will follow, I really encourage you to embrace the spirit of exploration, that innovator's mindset, and see the potential in the uncharted and to really shape your own tomorrow. As always, Thank you for turning in, uh, tuning into The Shape of Tomorrow. I am Michael Ianni Polarchio, your host uh, and your guide on this journey. And I look forward to reconnecting with you in, in the next episode where new ideas uh, will come out, new conversations, and this reinforcement that the future is really ours to shape. And until we connect again next week, keep innovating, keep dreaming, keep pushing the boundaries of what's possible. Remember that the shape of tomorrow is in our collective hands. And until we connect again, let me simply say, ciao, everybody.